those the young adults that are going, y'all know where y'all going. While there's movement, everything's going on, I'm going to give you the opportunity to take a moment and get your Bibles out, open them, turn them on, do what you got to do, open it, turn it on. It's a Google search away. And where we're going tonight is we're going to go to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. A little background, guess who wrote this book? James. And James is the brother of, of Jesus, the, the half-brother of Jesus. So I think James knows a little something about Jesus. Am I right? I think he knows a little bit something about, about Jesus. And, and James spends a lot of time actually quoting Jesus. You can, you can tell that they are closely together because when James is, is talking about Jesus, he's actually using and referring things that, that James has said. So we're going to be taking a look into James, into Jesus's half brother, and what he says about poison control. Tonight, the title of my message is "Poison Control," because we are going to be talking about poison. We are going to be talking about the poison of our souls, the poison of our mouth. So make sure you you have on your mind. We all know what poison is. We all understand the characteristics of it. But guess what? We want to get it under control, and we have to look to James chapter three to figure out how we are going to get this out of, in under control. So starting at verse three, it says, "When we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal." Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants it to go. Verse 5 continues and it says, Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes its great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by such a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil amongst the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire. That sounds intense. And it is itself set on fire by what? By hell. Verse 7 says, All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no man, no human, can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. And out of the same mouth we come praising and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Verse 11 says, can fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So let's go to prayer. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we just come to you tonight, Lord. God, and we just open up our hearts to you. We open up our minds to you. God, we open up every, every aspect of ourselves to you. Lord, we, we recognize that your word is more than just a book of, of things to do and not to do, but your, your word is, is a source of life. Your word is a source of abundance in life, God. And, and God, as we yield to your direction and yield to your, your wisdom, Lord, that we are able to be blessed, living lives of peace, living lives of wholeness, God. And I just pray that our hearts and our minds, God, would go through the conviction process, the repentance process, Lord, and ultimately the drawing your process to you, Lord. I pray, God, that... You would lead this time that you would strengthen us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
All right, so if you may, you may know this about me, you may not know this about me, somewhat, my close friends do, do kind of know this about me and, and know how to operate in this, this capacity in my life, but I am a words person. I like words. I, um, one of the like, little shortcuts on my computer all the time is a thesaurus because I like putting in a simple word and typing it in and having the ability to put out like a smarter word or, or a better word or a deeper word. I love to, to read books. I like to read books of different kinds. I, I enjoy reading articles online. I, I enjoy words. And even within that, I enjoy when people give me words. I enjoy when, when people give me words, especially words of affirmation. That's kind of my, my love language. If you know anything about the five love languages, words of affirmation is number one for me. I, I enjoy words of affirmation. I enjoy it so much that there is a secret place in my office that I have hidden away a folder of encouraging letters, text messages, all the whole nine yards. It's, it's hidden away. Only I know where it is. Only I know where to find it. And every once in a while, I pull it out, and I read it, and I, I go through it, and it, it allows me to feel loved. It allows me to, to feel encouraged. And I can re recall many times in my life where, I, whether it be uh, at, at Lee, whether it be in ministry, whether it be just, just going through life, that I was having a really hard day, maybe even a really bad experience in life. And my phone pops up, my phone dings, and, and all of a sudden it's, it's a text message. And it's a text message of, of, of maybe I love yous, or, or maybe, hey, thinking about you, or, or even better, hey, praying for you. And those have the ability to completely alter my day. When I get those, like, I realize things aren't as bad as they seem. Things don't stink as much as I, I think they do. And it puts me back into perspective that, that it, this experience and this encounter of people using words and affirmation, it shows me that a small act of care has the ability to yield positive results. Simple word, a simple phrase, maybe a simple text message, a simple note, has the ability to yield a great positive result. On the other hand, as someone who values words, I've had multiple experiences in my life where words have been absolutely destructive to me. Whether they be words of, or, or comments about my appearance or, or about my whatever it is about me, maybe my, my personality or how I interact with people, whether it be, be how I dress, how, what my body type is, what I, what I look like, those words have been able to create a, and develop a major insecurity in my life. A lot of us in this room have had negative words about our appearances. What do you think the root of eating disorders are? It's not just because one day you pop up and you go, oh, well, man, I'm struggling with this. But it is words that have accumulated over time and time. I've, become a, I've been a victim of, of negative words in those sense. Also, it's, it may be words that are accusatory remarks of I'm doing a good job or I'm doing a bad job or, or people don't like me or, or people feel negative towards me. And that, that often leads me to questioning my calling and, and the confidence as a minister and even as a child of God. Some of us in this room can understand that. Additionally, maybe words that people were reckless in of not thinking through what, what, they, what they should be saying or how they're saying it or their, the inclination or the tonage of how they're saying it, they, the reckless words and the reckless way that they're saying it may have created a struggle for me to understand my worth. This also shows me that small acts of carelessness has the ability to yield massive negative results. Anyone in this room ever experienced negative words from people? 
words that have hurt them, words that have been destructive, words that, that may have been paralyzing to your self-confidence and your self-image. I think we're, if we're all honest, we all have been there in some capacity. But you see, this text opens up with the principle that small things can cause great results. This is the principle that we are beginning in, in our text is that the very small things of life have the, the ability and the, the, the possibility to yield great results, both positive or negative. Just as the rudder steals, steers the course of the ship, the tongue steers the course of our life. The tongue has the power that is way out of the proportion of its size that is relative to the other body. The tongue is so small in comparison to the body, and it should not have the ability to chase the trajectory or the direction of my life. Yet the very word of God says that the words that I proclaim or the words that other people have the, that other people proclaim have the ability to shift the very direction of what my life is going through. So if the tongue is something that is so powerful. Maybe we should re-evaluate re it in regards to our own personal life. You see, our, our passage, James 3, continues to give a description of this small, uh, this small member of our body, and it gives the effects. Because in James 3, verse 5, if you look down in verse 6, I just want you to keep in mind, look at the descriptions and the effects of what the tongue has. It says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body. We already know that. What is it? It's small. But it makes such a great boast. It corrupts. It corrupts the, consider what a great forest is set on by a small spark. The, the tongue is also a fire, a world of evil amongst the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and itself is set on fire by evil and by hell itself. So what is James 3, verse 5 and 6 telling us? It says that the tongue, it's small. You ever look at your tongue in the mirror? You ever think of how big it is and then think about how tall you are and like, let's see the proportions of it. Probably take a thousand tongues just to get half your body. It's small, but guess what? It says it makes a great boast. Your tongue may be small, but it has great, great ability. You know what I love? And I've noticed this so much in my life. People have little man syndrome. Everyone ever hear of that? Little man, little woman syndrome. Anyone know what that is? Okay, it's these very tiny individuals, stature-wise, like vertically challenged is what we call them, or is it horizontal? No, it's vertically. And here's what they think. It's like, they also call it a Napoleon complex. They're very small individuals, but they're just so full of anger and they start like being explosive because they, they know how small they are, so they feel like they have to overcompensate and they begin to boast a great deal and, and try to find their, their footing in their place purely and, and acting big. So guess what? Your tongue recognizes it's a small thing, but guess what? It's bark and it's, and it's voice is not very small. The text says it makes great boasts. It also says that it's on fire. Now Pentecostals goes, praise the Lord. It's on that tongue is on fire. Insert tongues, insert the baptism of the Holy. Praise the Lord. But it also says it's corrupt. It says your tongue is corrupt. And here's my favorite part. It says, and it is set on fire by hell. Wow. Have you ever seen something set on fire by hell? Could you imagine? Let's, like, let's just think of the imagery of what hell is. Hell is a place of eternal damnation, eternal destruction. 
The Bible tells us it is a place of hell, fire, and brimstone. It is a place of unquenchable thirst. It is a, a place of torture and, tur and torment. And guess what? Your very tongue, when it is corrupt, is set on fire by that same place. So we must sit here and, and recognize that our unbridled tongue, our tongue that is not tamed, our tongue that is, that is loose to say whatever it wants to say, is set on um, fire by hell. So to interpret this, simply put, the tongue is, in, is influenced by Satan. Satan uses our boastfulness and our sinful condition to take control of our words. What James is saying is that your words... When outside of the will of God, outside of the, the control of God, outside of the, the, the self-control and the fruit of the Spirit is influenced by Satan himself. Satan himself grabs your tongue and wags it around. So here's what we can infer, that tongues do a very good job in revealing what is kind of really in our heart. Because if you recognize, and, and you've got to go all the way back to grow, bro. We've got to go all the way back. See, that's, that's something that's going to endure forever, the Beatitudes. The very beginning, the very foundation is the recognition of your broken humanity. The very foundation of the Beatitudes and living a blessed life is the recognition that outside of Christ, you are hopelessly and you are completely sinful without any good, without any hope. You are completely evil in of yourself. And so when we become saved, we have this turmoil inside of us that allows us to, that creates a tension of fighting between the, the lifestyle of sin and the lifestyle of holiness. So when Satan influences our tongue, we very much become, it becomes very much the revealer of what's already inside of our hearts. I had an experience, and, and Shelly can attest to this experience, that we had an experience and, uh, where someone said something completely outlandish and, and completely rude to, to myself. And when it was called out, the first response was, well, I didn't say that. Why would I ever say that? I didn't, say, I didn't say that. And, and, and Shelly, Shelly, in like all her wisdom, like I wish in that moment I had the wisdom of Shelly. But here's what she said. She said, no, you didn't say that. She said, I didn't say that. She said, well, sometimes we say things that we may not recognize that we say, but really reveals what's inside of us. Hmm, what a great ex Mic drop. I was ready, like I was here ready to drag people around, but here she is. She's going to spit fire of wisdom right then and there. It was amazing. And the truth of it is sometimes we say things and we may go, oh, I didn't mean that. I say something mean or, or condescending to Anthony. I'm like, oh, man, I, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean to say that. But there's always an element of truth of what we say. Sometimes we say, oh, I didn't mean that. But there's always an element of truth that's involved. And sometimes if we follow that, follow that pathway, follow that map, we can recognize that with inside of us is the sinfulness that is emerging through our mouth. So let's just take a moment and look at the word boast. It says that, that likewise the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes a great boast. So what is boasting and, and what is the root of this grandiose speech, this, this moment of I'm better than you and, and you're not as good, this idea of, of tearing down individuals, that is boasting, trying to elevate myself so that you can feel lower. That is, that is the premise of boasting. So what is the root of it? The root of it is pride. The root of it is bitterness. 
jealousy and envy. And guess what? Pride, bitterness, jealousy, and envy, they are all works of the flesh. They are all works of the flesh. When we boast, all of our boasting finds its root in either pride, jealousy, insecurity, envy. And let's just take a moment. We all, we all recognize what that is. I can, I can tell you what is jealousy, and you're able to tell me what jealousy is. But, but I want to go a little bit deeper into what it actually is saying. When I say I am angry towards Talia or I am, I am jealous of John Eric or, or maybe I'm mad at, at Zach, here's what we are really saying. Here's what our hearts and our spirit and our soul is saying. First, when I say I'm angry and I'm talking out of anger and I'm talking out of, out of bitterness, you know what it's saying? It's saying that you owe me. Anger says you owe me. And at the core of it, it is not getting what we want. Why do we get angry at mom and dad when they say we can't go out and do something? Primarily because we're not getting what we want. Why do we get angry when someone cuts us off in traffic? Because we're not getting what we want. Why do we get angry when, when someone gets elevated over top of us because we're not getting what we want? What about greed? What about going? What about these 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 comments of greed of of I need more. I want I want more. These these length, these boastfulness of of greediness. What is it saying? It is saying in the very core of it is that I owe me. When I'm greedy, I'm believing that I deserve everything that is good. There's pride. When you are greedy, you are prideful, and you are arrogant because at the core of your belief system is that I owe me, and I've earned, and I deserve everything that is good. Now, this one's my favorite one. Anyone know any jealous people in the world? Anyone got a jealous girlfriend? Anyone got a jealous boyfriend? Here's, here's what the root of it is. It basically, jealousy is God owes me. Probably the most dangerous one. Jealousy is the most dangerous of it because it's not just going, you owe me. Because at, at some point I recognize Talia's resources are going to be exhausted and there's going to be nothing left for me. But when I get jealous, and, and jealousy manifests itself in multiple ways. It could be I'm jealous of Marshall for his position on, on a sports team. I'm, I'm jealous of Zach for whatever he's got and, and that idol got. I'm, I'm jealous of Shelly for her position and her anointing and, and, and her giftings. I'm jealous. And at the end of the day, what I'm saying is, God, you owe me. What you have given me, God, is not enough. What the lot you have given me in my life is not enough. At the core of it, we are saying God is not faithful. God is not just. God is not a giver. God is not a provider. And these are the three things that, that ultimately set our tongues on fire of hell because we become people that are angry and believe that one another owe each other something because we didn't get our way. So we live in a greed and we talk out of greediness because we believe that we are owed more than what we have. We deserve to have the best of everything. And ultimately, our jealousy is what leads us to speaking negatively about one another because we believe ultimately that what God has given us is not enough. And that God owes us. 
So when our words become warped around ourselves and the elevation of ourselves, we are on the path of poison. You, say, you see James 3, 7, and 8 says all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. No human being can tame the tongue. So when we work to change on our own, has anyone ever tried to change their, their words? Anyone ever go, oh man, I probably shouldn't say that, or oh, I shouldn't talk about that person, or oh, I shouldn't, that frustration. And you know what we do? We're like, I'm not going to talk like that for the next week. We go, I'm not going to say that anymore. I'm just going to make myself not do it. I'm going to put a checklist, and I'm not going to get to that place anymore. But when we work to change on our own, we fail to tame the tongue every time. The only true way to change our words is to ultimately have a change within our hearts. And guess what? You can't change your own heart. You can't self-help your way to a new heart. You can't self-help your way to a better perspective and a better optimism. You can't self-help your way to feeling good about yourself and good about anyone else. This is a divine task that can only be accomplished by a divine God. And when the, the consequences are grave, when God does not become the center of our reformation, when God is not the center of my change, when God is not the center of your change, guess what? It has grave consequences every single time. You are prolonging a death when you decide that you are going to change in of yourself and not inquire of the Holy Spirit to change you in yourself. You see, James 3, 8 to 10 says, it is a restless evil full of deadly poison. The tongue is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Now, what is poison? Does poison act right away? Is it like a gun? Is it like a knife that, that has an instantaneous effect? No. Poison, depending on the potency, takes variations of time to lead to death. You could be poisoned and not, not figure out that you were poisoned until you're dead a couple hours later, maybe a couple days later. Poison is a slow death that eventually becomes very painful. At the beginning of it, it goes undetected. But give it enough time, it'll show itself. Give it enough time, and it'll finally work its full effect. It says, the tongue, it is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. It continues, it says, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father. And with it we curse human beings. Who have been made. I love when James does this. James just throws out, like, if you read the book of James, James literally will just slap you in the face in a second. He's a, like one of my favorite writers. And he says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made, who have been made in God's likeness. And out of the same mouth comes praising and cursing. My brothers and sisters, guess what? This shouldn't be. So do you want to see what the process of poison speech does? Zach and John, I can come up here real fast. We're going to demonstrate this. I want you to take notes of this. Take notes. You stand there, you stand there. This is the biblical process. Look, and I'm identifying something for you. I want you to know, does anyone believe that, that Satan is a real entity in, in, in this? There's a reality. Satan and opposition, spiritual opposition is a reality. And if we believe what the Bible says about Satan, we recognize that what? The Word of God says that he steals, kills, and destroys. That's his mission in our life. 
You as a believer, it's not passive. You're not just chilling. Satan just don't go, okay, well, they're just, praise the Lord. They're a Christian. Like, let's bless the Lord. No, no, here's what he's wanting to do. He's wanting to steal, kill, and destroy. And so when we recognize that Satan is who Satan is, spiritual warfare is what spiritual warfare is, we got to recognize that there's a tactic. There's always a plan. When there's a war going on, there's always a plan. Someone's always gotten a plan. And a lot of times we need to look at the word of God to understand and comprehend what the plan and the schemes of the enemy are. So guess what? We can avoid them. That's what the word of God does. He, James isn't just saying this because he's mad at someone. He might be. He might. That may be a portion of it. I'm sure. I'm sure sometimes you, like, if I was writing the Bible and I knew all this stuff about the church, I'd be lighting them up. I'd be lighting them up all day long. But James isn't just saying this to light someone up. He ain't trying to give them, just trying to wring their neck or nothing. He's here trying to give them tools and reveal things to them so that, guess what? They can live victorious and they can live free. So here's exactly, here's exactly what the enemy does in our life. Let's say Zach is, is jealous of John here. Give me a reason Zach should be jealous of John here. Can't do the one. He's an idiot. That's, yeah. He's dumb. <laughs> Let's, you know what, let's get real. You know what, we're going to get real. How about we get real with this? So, Zach's a worship leader. John Eric's a worship leader. Zach had a solo tonight. Guess you didn't have a solo tonight. Well, let's switch it. I want John Eric to be mad. I, John Eric's the better one. That made more sense right now. So, they're both worship leaders. This is real. This happens every day. Welcome to ministry. Welcome to ministry. You want to know how we, we survive ministry? Because guess what? I don't know how you get through ministry without this. I, I don't. I don't understand that because guess what? If I read this, I probably, uh, I don't even know. I don't want to say it publicly. I don't want to say it on the internet. Like, I'd probably go nuts. I, I know who I am. I know who I'm outside of the Lord. And I'd go buck wild. I'd probably go buck wild. I wouldn't have made it in those three years. I would have been done too. Like, I've been, I've been goner. And so here's, but here's, here's ministry. Some of y'all, I believe, and I'm believing, and I'm wishing that a lot of y'all will continue to to live in the Lord and to continue to be active and engaged in the church. Because guess what? You're supposed to. That's what the Lord's called you to be, not just later, but now. So guess what? Here's, here's a practical lesson to put in your back pocket. So, so Zach and, and John Eric are worship leaders for Encounter. Zach had a, a solo tonight. John Eric did not. So do you want to know what happened? Before we, that, that's not even involved right now. This is all John Eric. So guess what? John Eric's not been in his work. John Eric's not been praying. John Eric's not been seeking the Lord. He ain't talked to the Lord in months. He ain't do nothing. He just shows up to church. He just shows up to worship team practice. Worship team, he's going to be like, praise the Lord. This is all about the Lord. But really, it's just an avenue for him to sing and feel, be on a pedestal, whatever. And so guess what? There's a lot happening inside John Eric. There's a lot of flesh that is being undealt with. There's a lot of pride that is in there. And so what happens is step one, the, there becomes the flesh that is left undealt with. The first step, the first step of what the enemy does is he looks and he goes, oh, John Eric's not been in the Lord. John Eric's confidence is not in the Lord. John Eric's identity is not in the Lord. It's in a platform. It's in a position. It's in a song. It's in a microphone. It's in, it's in a position. It's in a pedestal. It's, in, it's all of this. And he sees what's going on in John Eric. And guess what? Step two is that in Satan, 
begins to speak even more into John Eric's life, create a little bit more unrest. So where John Eric was just like, oh, I guess I just wish I would have had a solo tonight, it begins to go, well, I'm better than Zach, so I don't know why Shelly wouldn't give me a solo tonight. I don't know why Shelly would pick a song that only fits her key and why we have to sing that song that Zach sings all the time. And Zach doesn't even want to sing that song anymore. So why, why are you singing that song? Zach doesn't even want to sing it anymore. And here I am just having to sit there sing harmonies, can barely hear myself, and I'm just, you know, just doing it. And so what happens is, is John Eric begins to be stirred up. He's got that, that greed. He deserves the best. He's got that anger. Zach owes me. Shelly owes me. He's got that jealousy. God, you owe me. And guess what happens if you like any normal people? Guess what? You start talking. Start talking to your best friend. Start talking to your spouse. Start talking to your neighbor. Start talking. Start just talking. Start talking to the person at the 7-Eleven. And what happens is he is spilling death. He's talking and talking and talking and talking. And guess what? It eventually gets to Zach. And Zach begins to hear it. And you know what happens? instantaneously into Zach's veins is injected poison. That's what the Word of God says. It is a deadly poison that gets injected into the bloodstream of us. It's not just somewhere like, it's not just in my shoulder, it's just not in my leg, it's just not in my knees, it's not just in my head. It is something that encompasses our entire existence. So you know what happens? Slowly but surely, Zach begins to lose confidence. He walks in here insecure. He walks in here wondering if I'm good enough. He walks in here going, oh man, everybody else hates me. Everybody else must be thinking that I'm, I'm negative. I'm not good enough as somebody else. And, and I'm not good enough as John Eric. And, and guess what? This slowly creates a, a turmoil and, and slowly creates an issue. And, and guess what? If, if Zach's not in the word, it's going to continue. And there's going to be an issue with inside of him that it's going to continue. And guess what? Zach's not going to enjoy being on worship team anymore. Zach's not going to worship anymore. And then all of a sudden, he's going to feel out of place. And as he continues to feel out of place, now he feels out of place, not just on the worship team, but in encounter. Not just in encounter, but in the church as a whole. And God forbid, Zach goes, you know what? This isn't worth it. This isn't worth it. The words that they've spoken, the words that, that I'm hearing. And, and you know what? John Merrick has the ability to inject opinions of Zach into everybody else's face. So as Zach is slowly dying, so is your opinion of Zach. So is your belief system about Zach. And guess what? Zach goes, I ain't doing the whole church thing. And he never comes back into the doors. Gives up his relationship with the Lord. And guess what? Guess where Zach lives? With a life distant from the Lord, without relationship with the Lord. And guess what? He dies in that state. And if we know what we know about it, Zach's, the enemy's been able to accomplish his purpose in allowing death to reign. And Zach dies and lives eternity separated from God. That's a reality. That's a reality. 
I can't even tell you how many pastors I know that have done that. I can't even tell, like, I can't even tell you how many pastors have done that. We think that's just an illustration. You just think, well, whatever. That's dramatic. I've seen it. I've seen it. And can I be honest? If I'm honest, I've been there. I've been there of the words of somebody else. The negative words of another human being, a woman of God, a man of God, a child of God, utilizing and capitalizing, injecting death into my veins, making me go, gosh, ministry, I'm going to do that again. Them words, those people, how they act. Guess what? I, I look at y'all. And I hope y'all better than your parents, your grandparents, your great-grandparents in, in how you interact with one another and how you value the people of God and the servants of God and one another in the body of Christ. Why we got so many issues? It's because we can't shut our mouths. Because guess what? We got so much going on here and we allow the enemy to speak in here and to get into here because we ain't in here. Welcome to reality. I've been there. I've been there. I've been there where I've gone, man, I, that ministry thing, I ain't doing it. If that's what ministry is, that's what just trying to serve the Lord is, I'm gone. And there's so many, can, and not just pastors, people, how many people come in and we never see them again? People work, people go, oh, they sit in my seat. Oh, they got a tattoo. Oh, they don't dress like me. They don't act like me. They're not from where I'm from. And so we're going to judge them. Let them know what they are. They don't have the same skin color as me. They're not the same economic stance as me. Oh, guess what? They never come back. And guess what? You ain't guaranteed that they're going to walk into another church and just pray to the Lord that the God's going to take care of them in another church. Sometimes this is the one and only shot you got. And so Zach begins to experience death and lives a life a very slow death, or maybe an instantaneous death. And guess what? The enemy got what he wanted. To do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. And guess what? He did all three in Zach's life. But guess who it came by? You can't put the devil on trial without putting John Eric on trial. That's sad. When the people of God, when the people of God Put the people out of God to God out to pasture. When the people of God are the ones that kill the people of God. The enemy ain't got to do it. We do it. We do it all day, every day. We're going to pray for you. That's what we do. It's sad. It's sad when you think about it. And guess what? I ain't saying I'm, I'm faultless. I'm just as guilty as the next person. Just as guilty as the next person. We got to recognize this is what the enemy does in our life. He sits there and he, he works so that we can, we can slowly die a slow and painful death separated from the Lord. And through our words, we breathe, we, we breathe down and are, directly, are indirectly the cause of the death of other individuals. The poison of our hearts begin to poison the perspective of who, made, who are made in his likeness. The image of God through sin has not been marred and has, has been marred but not eradicated. 
You see, James becomes and he starts yelling. He starts uh, intensely saying, hey, guess what? We, you begin to praise the Lord, but you're going to curse someone next to you. Guess what? They are made in the image of God. So if, if say, John Eric is God and, and I look like I'm made in the image of God, what that means is basically, we talked about this before, if you're made in the image of God, it's basically like you're a statue. So how much sense would it make for John Eric to be like, oh, praise the Lord, thank you, God, but then go to a statue of God and curse that very thing? That didn't make no sense. Yes, the people of God, the people made in his image, are not acting as they should. All of humanity may not be reflecting the fullness of Christ, but they have just been marred. It has not been eradicated from their life. They are still the image of God, whether they believe in the Lord or they don't believe in the Lord. They're still made in the image of the Lord. It just may be a little bit marred. But when we praise God and curse his image, we, we just fail to reflect who God truly is, and we begin to curse the very reflection of who our Savior is. James 3, y'all can sit down, I'm sorry. James 3, 11 to 12 says, Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brother and sister, can a fig tree bear olives or grapevines bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. For believers to utter false and demeaning words to one another or anyone, it should be a shocking for people to see that as it is for a fig tree to bear olives. When the people of God talk bad and negatively, it should be just as shocking for you to see a pear grow from a peach tree. You would go, wow, that happens? That's weird. That shouldn't be. But sadly, that's what we become known for, if we're honest. As believers, we become known for our judgment and our hate. And I know y'all, y'all may be just as convicted as I was when I was writing this. Y'all may just be there. And guess what? There is hope. There is redemption. And, and James gives us some inclination and, and some in, uh, things that we can infer of how to control the poison. Number one, it's done by dealing with the flesh. How do we do this? You know, how do I deal with the flesh, the flesh that's inside of me that is a struggle, that is an issue, that is a hardship that's inside of me? Well, guess what? Y'all should know this Ephesians 6, number, uh, verses 13 to 17. What is it? It's the armor of God. It says, put on the belt of truth, the breast, breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of ready, the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. How do I deal with the flesh with inside of me? Guess what? I wake up every morning and I put on the armor of God. And you continue on and, okay, make it even more practical. Uh, more practical. Guess what? You need to evaluate where your speech is coming from. How do you make sure your tongue's not on fire? Well, guess what? Evaluate where your speech is coming from. And Galatians 5, all of us should know this. We should know these verses. Galatians 5, verse 19 to 21, it talks about the works of the flesh. Are your words aligning with the works of the flesh? And I'll remind you what the works of the flesh are. Sexual immorality, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, enviness. Evaluate your words. It's what's about to come out of your mouth aligning with the works of the flesh. Or is it aligning with the fruit of the Spirit played out in Galatians 5, 22-23, which is what? Love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
Are your words aligned with the works of the flesh or the fruit of the Spirit? That will give you an indication of which way you're going. And finally, choosing to bless over, over curse. This is a choice. This don't come easy. This don't come natural because guess what? The works of the flesh is what's natural for us in our, in our human condition. The fruit of the Spirit is what needs to be worked on. And it is hard work and takes discipline. So I loved, I loved within our, our keep groups when we talked about what are some ways that you can use good words. And guess what? Marley, Marley showed a great way. And she said, you know, just look for ways to lift people up. How do you choose to bless over cursing? You just look for simple ways to lift someone up. Make kindness a practice. Look intentionally at people. Go, hey, how are you doing? When you're at the supermarket, hey, how are you doing? You enjoy your day as everything. Engage with people. Be kind to people. And finally, choose to see the image of God in others rather than their broken humanity. Choose to see people for whom God has created them rather than in their brokenness and in their broken humanity. You want to have poison control? You want to control the poison that, that has the potential to be spewed out of your mouth? Make a choice to bless people over cursing them. Intentionally look at the words that are coming out of your mouth and going, is it a work of the flesh or is it the fruit of the spirit? And make sure you, you take some time to, to deny and kill the flesh that's inside of you. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you will tonight, stand with me. Now, I don't even have to go, oh, who's guilty, who's not guilty? Guess what? We all guilty. I'm going to waste time on that. We all are guilty. And in all honesty, some of us in this room are hurt. We're like, we're on both sides. We've been hurt by words, and we've hurt with words. And so it's not a matter of like, hey, are you doing it? It's a matter of going, okay, God, change me. Give me the grace to change because I don't, I don't want to, in, at the core of my existence, in my angriest moment, I don't want to cause someone to experience a spiritual death because of my lack of care for my words and my lack of intentionality within my words. Forget about the, you could even take out the spiritual aspect of this. Just life, just life, like just think about life. How many times have we hurt people because of our words? Don't have to have spiritual inclination, implications. Sorry, man. Let's say my tongue wasn't full of poison. It's sometimes a struggle. This is true life. This is true life. How do you know an unbeliever who's hurt another unbeliever? And they're both spiritually dead. This is real life. But what I want to see is, man, people come into the church, people experience you in your life and go, wow, you're kind. I'm telling you, we live in a society right now where people are not nice. People suck. People's words suck. People's attitudes suck. People's perspective towards other people suck. But guess what? We have an opportunity to be countercultural as God has taught us to be countercultural. 
And so what we're going to do in our closing prayer, it's not a matter of have I done it or have I been hurt by words, but I want us to take a moment and pray, God, help my words to be healing rather than hurtful. Help my words to heal rather than hurt. And God, help me to heal from the, hurt, from the words that have hurt me. We're all there. So let's just take a moment, pray together. God, we just thank you for your word today. We thank you, God, that, that the schemes of the enemy are not blind to us, Lord, but as we dig and as we read and as we pray, Lord, that you will reveal to us the tactics and the schemes of the enemy so that we may not fall, we may not falter, God, but that we would be strong, that we'd be strong in you today. And God, I just pray that you would give us the peace that we need. God, that you'd give us peace inside of us, Lord, that you'd give us the ability and the tenacity and the, and the fervency to continue to walk and, and to live in you and to, to continue to walk in, in denying our flesh, God, and picking up our cross, Lord, and, and continuing to live within the fruit of the Spirit, God, and not living of the works of the flesh, Lord. God, help our words heal people. God, help our words to heal people rather than hurt people. And God, I pray that you would give us the grace to heal from the words that other people have said to us. God, we repent, Lord. We repent for things we have said, Lord. And we pray for those that we have hurt with our words, God. God, we pray that you would heal them, that you would restore them, God. That you would restore the image of, of you within their life, God. And I just pray, Lord, that as you have forgiven us, Lord, and we have forgiven them, Lord, and, and they have forgiven us, Lord, that we would find forgiveness to within ourselves to forgive those that have hurt us as well, Lord. And that we would experience the healing power of forgiveness. God, give us identity. Give us hope today. Give us a purpose to live, Lord, and let us look at our words, God, looking at our words of what we say, God, and, and weighing it according to your word and making a choice to live in the abundance of the spirit rather than living in the death and the destruction that is within hell. God, be our strength today. Let us be the people of God called and appointed anointed to be who you've called us to be, to serve you and to serve humanity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.